0: Love, talk Radio. Thank you for joining me for another edition of the Bob Sullivan Show here on OnestopTalkRadio.com. If you or any of your friends or family shops on Amazon, please go to OnestopTalkRadio.com, click on the Amazon banner, and shop as much as humanly possible on there. Tonight on the Bob Sullivan Show, I have fun with me from pjrsports.com, Pete Richmeyer. How are you doing today, Pete?
1: Doing fantastic, Bob. Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, no problem. Um, You live in Seattle. It feels like it, you know, at least the Thunder didn't make the playoffs this year, but you got the Seahawks who had uh, one of the worst ends to a Super Bowl you could possibly have. Oh, yeah. um, and then the Mariners are kind of underachieving. What is it like as a sports fan right now in Seattle?
1: You know, it, it's funny. We were just talking today about the Mark Trumbo craze, and everyone was excited that you know riding that power back to the lineup. And then someone brought up what we call the Seattle curse, and that's where you know you can have someone that's hitting 350 for another team, that seems like it comes to Seattle, and he's in, before you know it, the guy's hitting 220. Um, aside from the Seahawks and some success by the Sounders, um, it's pretty rough to be a to be a Seattle fan. You know, a lot of people talk about bandwagon and whatnot, but uh, the fans here are pretty true. It's just uh, not a lot of success to be celebrating recently.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, on the Seattle Sonics, you know, um, it's been about, you know, I know this is probably a rough topic for any Seattle sports fan, but, you know, it's been about six years now since they left. The Thunder have obviously had success in the final. Uh, this is the one year where it was kind of you know injuries caught up to them, and James Harden trades caught up to them. As a Sonic, you know, are, are the people in Seattle kind of happy to see the Thunder take a step back? Um, you know. Where do people in Seattle stand on that whole topic? Is it starting to mellow down knowing that you'll probably get the next team that's going to relocate is going to go to Seattle? Or where do you guys
1: stand on that? That's the biggest key right there. You know, the the funding thing, it is what it is. I think a lot of people now are focused on the next, the next step. You know, there's two fantastic arena proposals here in two different locations. Both of them have the green light. Funding's in place. Uh, We're not worried about that. Now it's just a matter of getting a team, you know, and and I think with uh, Stern stepping down, a lot of fans here really uh, got some renewed hope that that it's going to be happening. Uh, There's even a a push to get an NHL team first before we get an NBA team. And if that happens, it happens. If not, you know, NBA, whatever, this is a great sports city, 13th largest market in the country, and uh, was a fantastic supporter of basketball for 40 years. And look forward to being able to do
0: that again. What you know was Key Arena as big of a dump as it was portrayed to be, or what's the what? What is so bad about Key Arena? Like I, you know, watching on TV in the '90s and 2000s, that place was always rocking when the Sonics were good. And I, I don't know, just looking at it on TV, it didn't look that bad to me. Was it that bad? Like you could tell with like in Milwaukee. Like, when you're watching on TV, that place looks like a dump. But I never got that sense with T-Arena. Was was that the case?
1: Well, not so much a a dump, per se. You know, it was built back in the 60s for the Seattle uh, World's Fair, same time the Space Needle was built. And it underwent a couple renovations, and one as recently as uh, less than 10 years before the Sonics left. The problem with it is the footprint that it's in, there wasn't a lot of room for expansion. So when they did the last renovation, they actually dug down, dropped the level of the floor, some sweeps, but they maxed out where they did that. And so for the NBA and NBA teams to have what's uh, considered a money-generating arena, that's not going to happen with Key Arena. It's going to be a nice uh, place to host a team until the new arena gets built. But yeah, it's not a long-term solution. It's
0: really, it's really not. Did uh, you know? I did you watch the show The Killing on AMC or uh, Netflix at all? No, I did not. Okay. Well, it's a uh, it's based in Seattle, and there's a lot of you know. It's obviously got the Seattle feel of a lot of rain and uh, you know corrupt government. Is that the case? In Seattle, corrupt government causing issues with, because there was a lot of corrupt uh, issues with
1: stadium <laughs> deals
0: and stuff going on in that show. So I was wondering, is that a, is there a correlation there? Is that uh, too close to home for you?
1: No, it, it, it's actually pretty pretty accurate. You know, when the whole Sonics thing happened, there was a big deal with uh, Nichols, the, the mayor of Seattle, taking a, a, a backdoor deal to to allow. Clay Bennett out of the lease at key arena to allow him to go a year early and to question as to what that money was gonna go for and whatnot. And you know, a lot of people felt let down not only by our city government but by one of our biggest businesses based out of Seattle, and that's Howard Schultz. So there's a lot of people talking about what Schultz got from the city, what the city got from Schultz and, and what everyone got from Clay Bennett. So yeah, I think there was some there's certainly an attitude of corruption around here, and a lot of people questioning that. But as for the rain, not so much. We see, we get rain on a lot of days, but it doesn't amount mm-hmm. to much. It's like it's like a drizzle. So a lot of people think it's it rains a lot. It doesn't. You know, there are places in the country that get far more rain than Seattle does. We just get it mm-hmm. spread out over more days.
0: Well, with the uh well, last thing on kind of best NBA in uh, Seattle, you know, the Kings, that looked like it was going to be promising at the time that they were going to come to Seattle. Then, uh, you know, the Bucks were sold, and then now it looks like they're getting a new arena deal. Is there anything promising that you can see right now as far as a relocation, or do you think it's going to have to be expansion to Seattle if the NBA Comes back.
1: I, I think expansion is probably going to be the logical choice. I think the new commissioner knows that this market is starving for basketball and will support basketball. Um, a lot, I was just talking to someone the other day about this. My dark horse for coming up here, and a lot of people you know, think it's far-fetched and whatnot, but there's a team in L.A. that magically has started screaming for their own arena, and we know in L.A. that's mm. not going to happen. Because they absolutely don't want to share with the Lakers anymore. In fact, their success has caused them to think, you know, they want to be the first tenant and let the Lakers have a back seat, but the Seattle Center will never allow that to happen. So I kind of think, you know, we have a Seattle owner of an LA team that wants their own arena.
0: Interesting. Interesting. That is, uh, I haven't heard that one before. That is a, uh, I mean, the way you put it out, you know, I, I didn't think about that, but that is, yeah, uh bomber, I, I could see that. Um, and, yeah, the Clippers, If uh, I hadn't heard about their uh, wanting a new arena, a separate arena, and there's no way you can justify giving the Clippers their own arena. I mean, I guess L.A. could, but, um, you know, you can't, if you're L.A., you're like, okay, well, you know, five years, you have had a good five-year run. We can't really justify giving you a brand-new arena just for this right now. you got to prove right. it to us a little bit longer than that. So, yeah, if Seattle swooped in, I could see that. But I think that so would this, be a great thing.
1: There's got to be some questions as to why this cat paid $2 billion for a basketball team. I mean, I yeah. understand wanting to, wanting to be in the game, but you, you get a franchise for far less than that. So... I mean, maybe he's going to be the hometown hero. Maybe it's just a, a wild idea on my part, but uh, that's, that's going to be the one to watch if if extension
0: doesn't fall through or come through. Well, on to the, uh, uh, onto the uh, NFL, the Seahawks. Um, you know, they they haven't been a, you know, back-to-back years going to the Super Bowl, lost last year. Um, I hate to rub that in, but you look at – with the Seahawks, you know, they drafted well, they made, uh, you know, some good calls in free agency. It worked out. Now it's kind of like the, uh, you know, the roosters are, you know, coming home to a coup pretty much, you know, the, now people need to feed. Uh, All the contracts are starting to pile up uh, that they're going to have to start paying and making those calls, you know, Pete Carroll hadn't had that issue up till this point. Um, now there's issues with contracts. You know, Russell Wilson's going to probably be the high, one of the highest paid quarterbacks. Um, how much of a, with all these contracts coming up, all these young guys that are due to make big money, how difficult is it going to be for Pete Carroll to manage these egos that are already so big right now and manage them uh, monetarily as well?
1: Well, a majority of them are done. If you, if you look at the end guys coming up, you know, Richard Sherman's done. Most of the defense is done. Uh, Marshawn Lynch is done. You know, they're picking up some good receivers, and, and certainly Jimmy Graham is a welcome addition. So the only one, I mean, truly outstanding right now is the Russell Wilson contract, and that's his. His uh, agent was on local radio. Last week, talking about, you know, it's it's going to happen. That's not the mm-hmm. concern. The concern is just making sure that it's going to be a deal that's going to fit. You know, a lot of people are saying, oh, well, it's not happening. He's going to play out as rookie contract. Russell Wilson's not mm-hmm. going anywhere. Now, he's got a couple years of a franchise tag that he can play under. The question is, is if it's going to happen before this season, is he going to make $18 million this season, you know, with a signing bonus, or is he going to make, you know, mm-hmm. $1.5 either way he's going to be a Seahawk. The guy absolutely loves it here and Seattle's not going to let him go. He's going to get paid. Now, is he going to get paid in the neighborhood of what uh, Cam Newton just got? I mean, that's 5 years and 100 and 100, well, was 102, 103 million dollars, yeah. you know. It's going to be around that 20 million dollar mark, but it's you know, probably not much over that. I don't see him being the highest paid, but I see him being up there. You know, and and I'll be probably one of the first Seattle fans to say a lot of his success is due to the team that Pete Carroll has put around him. You know, this is a run-first team, always has been a run-first team. So would he have these numbers in in a a throwing offense? Maybe not. But, you know, he's successful here, and it works. And, you know, the fans love him, and he loves them. So, you know, he's going to get paid. But he's not stupid. He knows that if he goes to a place where he's going to have to throw the ball, you know,
0: 60 times a game, it's not going to be the same setup he has here. You know, do you think, you know, do you think they can kind of, uh, I guess they're not going to be able to, but I think he would be, you know, I feel like the money that you pay him, I feel like he's going to be overpaid. Um, You know, you know, because, yes, it's, Success is largely due to the team, but he's also—I mean—he deserves a lot of credit too. Considering—I mean you look like at Andy Dalton. I mean, Cincinnati's pretty—you um, know—a pretty complete team, but he's just—you know—they're kind of missing that—that that one piece at quarterback, where you know, a quarterback with that it factor. And I don't think Russell Wilson is not tremendously talented. You're not—you know—he's not, you know, not going to be. You know, he doesn't have Peyton Manning skills or anything like that, but he knows how to win, and he knows how to lead. And I think that is—I mean—that's worth a lot of money. But the question is, how much? How much is it worth? And I think that—I mean—that's going to be the answer for us uh, when he gets paid—is how much is a you know, leader that, is worth, really.
1: That's the biggest key. You know, a lot of people—you know look at that, and, and you're right. He doesn't have Peyton Manning skills, but at the same time. When the defense comes through the offensive line, which has been the, the, the Achilles' heel for the Seattle Seahawks, is that offensive line. When when the defenders come through that line, they're not get, having an easy time getting Russell Wilson. He's going to run. He's going to throw on the run. He's going to do some things that Peyton Manning can't do. And and he's the leader of the team. So yes, he doesn't throw like Aaron Rodgers. Yes, he doesn't throw like Peyton Manning. He may not throw like you know Andrew Luck, but he runs. You know, a lot of people when he was coming up was talking about uh, RG3. You know, he's so much better than Russell Wilson. And, and you know, we see how that's played out. You know, injuries or not, you know, the numbers aren't the same. So he has some numbers, and a lot of that is based on his skill. But as far as a leader, absolutely. So from, from day one, from the preseason when he won the job, he's been the leader of that team. And, and the veterans respond to him, and, and he gets it done. So, yeah, I think he is talented. I think he's very talented, you know, he may not be a top five in the NFL, but you know, he's certainly top ten and he'll get paid as such.
0: You know, I kinda I kinda of, kind of liken him to being kind of like a Frankenstein type of quarterback where, you know, he has you know all the good you know, good attributes of a lot of these great quarterbacks in the league. But he doesn't necessarily he doesn't have the he doesn't excel at any one thing. I mean, he can escape pressure. and But, you know, what do you think of that Jimmy Graham deal? Do you think, you know, getting rid of Max Unger, and you were talking about the pressure coming at Russell Wilson, do you think that gets worse yeah. with this deal? And, you know, do you, do you, what, what do you think they can do to fix that, or is there any fix this year for that?
1: I think losing Max Unger... Hurts if Max Under stays healthy. We've had a couple of years where we haven't had Max Under all year long, so you know maybe it hurts, maybe it doesn't. If, if this is the year he goes down in game two, then you know it's, it's no big deal. You know I hate talking about uh, any athlete getting hurt, but you got to look at the factor that you know he is often injured lately, and so you know maybe that's not going to be a big loss. I think the upside of getting Jimmy Graham is way bigger than, than losing our, you know, a starting center, because you do have a backup. But now Russell Wilson has that true number one target. And if you, if you look at Jimmy Graham, well, he was at an interview. When he got called he was traded, he was like, oh. And then he got found out he was traded to the Seahawks, and, and, and the guy did a complete 180. You know, he comes here and he's nothing but love with the Seattle team, and they asked him about blocking, and he said, sure. You know, New Orleans didn't ask him to block, but he'll block. You know, he he even said, I'm a big guy. I can block someone. So if he's willing to step into that role for a run-first team, I know he's not going to get, you know, 15 throws his way each game. He's going to be a good addition. Now, if he comes in and he turns in to be like a, a Percy Harvin where he wants the ball all the time and becomes an ego problem, well, th- then it's not going to work. Seattle's shown, for example, with Percy Harvin, that they're not going to let a big name come in here and upset the locker room. They will get rid of you. This team will cut you or will trade you with no problem. Doesn't matter who you are. Were
0: you, were you surprised by the term? Like Because when, when they traded Percy Harvin, I wasn't. You know, I I wasn't shocked, but I wasn't like, you know, this is going to affect the team so much more. Or, <clears throat> even, well, even then, when people were coming out looking at his stats, and I like, yeah, his yeah, stats are low, but I think his presence is, you know, when he's when he's healthy and when he's, you know, on his game, you know, he's effective just being out there. He's a good decoy. He's a good you know, escape option, but he's not good in the locker room. And I was, were you surprised at all by the turnaround this season made as soon as they got rid of him? Because
1: because I had not been all? hearing, you know, I, I not at all. I cover the for local radio up here, so I have the, the media pass. So I get down there to the VMAC, and and you can see, you know, the, the one player standing off to a side while you know they're doing they're going through their drills with their OTAs. He's that guy, you know, the the, the year that he was here. He played against the Vikings, surprise, surprise, but he was hurt again, and he comes back for the Super Bowl. He has a good Super Bowl. You know, that, that kick return was incredible. But, you know, all that money for that, no way. You know, and then the following year, there comes a time where he's fighting with teammates. He got in physical upstation with two teammates, and that's just not going to work on a, on a Pete Carroll team. Schneider, too, you know, John Schneider's not going to that well. So they got rid of him, and like you said, you know the the team responded well. These guys are, are truly are close to the
0: team. And well, with with him, with he, you know, you know, in the Super Bowl, I mean, you could have made the argument for him being Super Bowl MVP to a certain degree. Um, but yeah, it was just you know, his he's always injured. He's uh, you know. Sup- Actually, you look back at that Florida team with, I, I guess it's no surprise that, uh, Urban Meyer had basically a heart attack with Percy Harvin, Aaron Hernandez, the Pouncy, and right. Tebow. I mean, the list goes on and on of all the crazy people that you had in that locker room. There's Brandon Spikes. I mean, it was just an insane group of people. But with the, uh, with the, uh, uh, Seattle Seahawks, with their defense, um, uh, where do you stand Richard Sherman got kind of called out this week by Antonio <laughs> Cromarty, who basically said he was uh you know he was successful because of the scheme he was in and you know the deep, you know he had people behind him that made up for his mistakes, obviously a complete joke to make that a- that a accusation because you know he covers up a lot of mistakes you know. That whole defense covers up mistakes that other people make. I mean, they're just that talented. What is your opinion on our Marty Collins?
1: He's a fool. I mean, the, the bottom line is, is Richard Sherman plays the role that he's given. What's he spo- you know, the, this defense is solid. He plays where he's supposed to play. Because someone like Darrell Rivas or Cromartie wants to come out and say, well, you should do this, does that mean he should play out of position just to prove them wrong? You know he plays with the system that this team has, and, and it's a winning system. So he's doing what he's supposed to do. He doesn't need to answer to what they're doing. His numbers are fine just the way they are. He gets his interception. You know, of, of course, he gives up some touchdowns. Every defender does. But when he, when it comes down to it, yes, quarterbacks are afraid to throw this way. Aaron Rodgers was a perfect example. No throws. You know, when he, when they came to Seattle, they didn't even toss in his direction. So he he does exactly what he's supposed to do. He doesn't do any more, and, and that's you know that's all you can ask for a player. And if other people want to talk, let them talk. We'll take the win. Watch us in the playoffs.
0: Is there a more um, is there a more misinterpreted player uh, than Richard Sherman in your opinion?
1: If there is, I don't know. You know, I can't say whether there is or isn't because I don't know what some of the other people get in the press, but when you come, when it comes down to it, yeah, I think the media takes certain things that he says, like the interview after the school Bowl that year when he said, you know, when, that's what happens when you try the best. Uh, the guy is incredibly smart. You know, he did graduate from Stanford. He does so much for the the community here in Seattle and the community in, in Compton where he's from. I, he's probably one of the leaders when it comes to charity work, and yeah, I think that that he gets a bad rap and he gets he has some people hating on him from other teams and and that's fine, you know. Not everyone can be a JJ Watt that the entire NFL loves. But uh, you know, he gets it done and and he helps out and he has a lot of fans in California and here.
0: Last thing before uh, I let you go. Um, the NHL is rumored to be coming to Seattle. I guess it's not rumored. Uh, uh Seattle is one of the locations that they have picked to be a possible place for relocation or expansion. Um, Seattle, I mean, it makes sense northwest, but uh, is that a hockey town? Do people really, you know, what, what kind of – is I mean, obviously with soccer, you wouldn't really – you know, with the Sounders, you wouldn't really expect You wouldn't be like, well, yeah, that's a perfect place for a soccer team. And then out of nowhere, I mean – fans show up, and it's one of the best venues for uh, to watch a soccer game. Do you think, you know, if a sport comes to Seattle, the community will just wrap, their, you know, wrap around it and basically, you know, go with it pretty much?
1: No, I, I think if the situation's right and the ownership's right and, you know, they come to the community right, I think the community will. I think this is a hockey town. Um, We are the home of the very first Stanley Cup ever won by an an American team, the Seattle Metropolitans, back in 1917, Uh, been hockey since then. We have a a major junior league here, the Western Hockey League, with the Seattle Thunderbirds. They don't always draw well, but then again, they don't always – they don't reach out as far as an NHL team would do. Seattle Thunderbirds draw from a pretty close area, you know, because there's also a team in Everett and a team of course in uh, Portland. But I think an NHL team would draw from the same market. So I can see with a good ownership group and you know a good mission, I can see them selling out an NHL team, no problem.
0: Well, Pete, before I let you go, do you want to tell everybody where we can find you on Twitter? the internet, Facebook, all that good stuff, where we can find you.
1: Absolutely. Uh, on Facebook, I'm Pete Richmire, R-I-C-H-M-I-R-E. You can find me on Twitter at Sports Pete 253 And my website, again, is PJRSports.com.
0: Awesome, Pete. Well, I greatly appreciate you coming on late night tonight, uh, talk to all Seattle sports, and I'd love to have you on again whenever you have time,
1: man. Absolutely. Just let me know. My pleasure.